Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, everyone, to RB1 Colon Fantasy Football Podcast, part of the Fake Teams Podcast channel. I am the consummate professional, conductor of the now returning off IR Devin Funches hype train and worshiper of Nikhil Harry, your humble host, Pete Rogers. And I am joined by some of the guys, possibly all the guys at some point in this show. We have the champion of Doggos Everywhere, the man formerly known as Steve Timberland and DK Metcast number one admirer, resident old man Clark Barnes, and the biggest 49ers fan you know, fan of what scientists lovingly call quote facts and thinks horses are a lot cooler than donkeys, the Ginger Woodsman because he's back nick botterford the beard is there it's not as luscious as it once was but at least it's uh it's a groomed look hey pete hey pete <laughs> hey how you guys doing good man how you doing good it was it's been a while i feel like as soon as we miss as long as we're doing the two two weeks oh and look who decides to join after i do all of the introductions george just has to make it all about himself i told you i might be a few <laughs> minutes late and i timed it perfectly <laughs> uh yes the voice you're hearing is of course jimmy graham's cornhole partner the weatherman and WNBA hot take machine working girl jordan smith who decides that he wants his own introduction and his own uh time in the spotlight hello <laughs> <laughs> ah, how was everyone's weekends it was a it was a week off for us because we were all doing all kinds of exciting things uh so how's everyone doing now that we're back in the swing of things it was great, Pete. I spent the week in the great white north of Vancouver, where cabbies call yellow lights orange, where they still watch hockey, and where they call their Starbucks Tim Hortons. Interesting. And yes, yeah, I just recycled my tweet and did it on the air. You're welcome. good, man. I, I, I'm tired. I'm, I'm feeling the, uh, the drain of the season, but we will, we will prevail. I, I second that. I second the uh, the drain of the season, especially when, I don't know, I was very upset that the Ravens-Texans game was not more exciting. <laughs> I was okay with it. <laughs> I managed to miss the score all day because I was working at the other job and then came home, opened the NFL app Oof. where I thought I had score spoilers turned off and saw the score like 41 to 7, and I just appreciate past me for messing that up and i didn't have to waste my time with the game there you go i was more disappointed in last night's game i had like zero rooting interest in that and it was a very terrible game (laughs) i watched a few minutes of it then i was like i'm gonna put party down on (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna change to something that's much much better uh one of my friends from college was visiting this weekend and the biggest thing i accomplished this weekend was convincing him that what he needed to do was pay for disney plus so that we could watch the mandalorian which uh holds up it's pretty damn good i mean you guys into the free seven-day trial 
no, I'm into the make your friend buy your own buy your subscription. <laughs> and then their fraud detection it. is probably just in its infancy. So you could probably share that login for a couple of years. Exactly. And it'll be totally fine. Or it, you do Netflix's thing where Netflix does doesn't give a poop. Mm-hmm. I'm not advocating this, but maybe some people can search online and you'll find articles about how you can share Disney Plus on four different screens and they have said they haven't figured out how to stop people from sharing them in different zip codes. I'm not saying that's something that I advocate, but, but it's something maybe. that I have seen be told to me that they've read about it. <laughs> oh, if, if anyone from Disney is listening, I do that for a living. So hit me up. You know how to find me on Twitter. I can get your program started for you. There you go. And if Disney's listening, I mean, what better thing to add to Disney Plus than a fantasy football podcast where we sometimes talk about football? We appeal to the kids. I actually went to the Disney store this weekend and uh, kept my mouth shut the whole time. (laughs) Because normally the Disney store invokes a rage that Clark can't control. I don't think Disney has some sort of like sports branch or like sports department either. Like not a worldwide leader of athletics or something no, I don't like think so. I, I can't Nothing. think of it. No, I can't think of anything. Mm-hmm. This is why you guys need RB1 Disney. Disney RB1 Fantasy Football Podcast is where you guys can finally tap in to the uh, to the sports world that you guys have been honestly neglecting. And it's, well, it's not good for business to neglect one <laughs> of the most popular pastimes uh, of America and the world. So. We just add the plus to the end of RB1 and just start acting like we're part of it. And <laughs> Welcome to the RB1 Plus podcast. <laughs> it worked with our Amazon deal. Yeah. So. Well, the Amazon deal lasted all of a week and it was great. So close. <laughs> so so close. We had free shipping on everything for seven hours and it was well worth it. Uh, all right. Well, we got lots to talk about this uh, show. We got tidbits from what were we week 11 is that what is that the week that just finished week 11 tidbits we are then as we approach the fantasy playoffs you guys are starting next week uh and so we're going to look at some players who are maybe are on your waiver wire or you could possibly good trade targets that you could get for relatively cheap uh who could not could we don't believe in uh and coulds we believe in wills will win you your fantasy league then of course other waiver wire targets to get but as always we will start with week 11 fantasy football mvp nicholas why don't you start us off who was your mvp for this week so as always i'll probably be a little bit out of the box on this one uh i went with jameson crowder uh the whole jets offense for a lot of the season was largely unusable but we all had some or someone in the league had a player or a number of Jets players that just ended up sitting on their bench and kind of just burning a hole there. We all hoped that they would come back and be usable. And, and fortunately two of them have Chris Herndon, that that experiment has just gone up in flames, but largely Jamison Crowder and Le'Veon Bell have both been awesome over the last three weeks. Jamison Crowder has uh, found the end zone. Yeah. In, in all three games and his upcoming uh, schedule over the next, also the next three weeks, I'm pulling it up right now, I believe, oh, I got it wrong there. Um, it's it's pretty gravy. I mean, they that, that division is the always schedule wonderful. Is but yeah, so it's, it's, it's Oakland at Cincinnati and then Miami. 
So hmm. it, now it, it gets Luscious. tougher in, in 15 and 16 with at Baltimore and Pittsburgh. But like you, you basically are having this dude who sat on your bench for weeks, who you've been able to start as a flex. I have straight up replaced Odell Beckham Jr. in my lineup with Jamison Crowder in one league. But you're getting a guy Saucy. who oftentimes leads his team in targets and he, he continues to find the end zone. Uh, yeah, g- uh, g- give me some Jamison Crowder all day. You possibly love, love it. it. Yeah, we always we always like when a guy who we spend a lot of time talking about comes to fruition. Through Nick's, I love it. I, uh, diatribe I here. I'm like, I'm sitting right here, man. You don't have to call out that I've been waiting on all these crappy Jets. Oh, you're oh you're not talking. Oh oh no, you're oh, speaking. Okay. Oh, you're speaking positively about the Jets. Oh good, 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 good. good. I, I like it because I think people have gotten this uh, sense of the Jets ingrained into their minds when they got throttled by the Patriots in prime time and just utter disappointment sam darnold went for like negative fantasy points in that game but they have been pretty decent in the past like two or three games for scoring wise Le'Veon bell has been one of the better backs in the league for fantasy purposes and love jameson crowder jordan who's your mvp for the week uh my mvp uh speaking of unheralded wide receivers is not on this podcast at least um or on this podcast we have heralded him john brown buffalo bills wide receiver he had something like nine catches for um, a billion yards and three trillion touchdowns i swear i had the stats up here but he (laughs) balled out um i was very close to putting josh allen on um as my fantasy mvp because he was a player that uh scored like 40 some just with the total touchdowns and really um right up there with our uh pretty much season MVP Lamar Jackson uh, stats for John Brown, nine catches a buck 37 and two touchdowns, which is great. And he's actually been having one of the better seasons of all wide receivers that you just don't really think about it that much, but John Brown has been great. Yeah. He's been remarkably consistent this season. He's uh, he's only had two games. Well, three games actually that I'm looking at it but three games under 70 yards receiving and he's hasn't had a single game under 50 yards receiving. So like he has been uh very good this year. I believe he's only second two are tied with like Michael Thomas for the longest streak of having over 50 yards per game. Elite company. That's wild. I didn't realize that. Um, we talked about it in the, uh, in the, the week 11 uh, written rundown uh, that you basically could walk into this week starting John Brown as a wide receiver two who could easily finish as a wide receiver one. And I, I believe what we were just talking about here is that he, he took uh, wide receiver overall one honors. Um, he did. So, yeah, yeah, seller start. I am going to continue to stump for Lamar Jackson as fantasy MVP. I don't care if it's getting boring. I want to make sure that he gets enough regular season votes so that we can all pat ourselves on the back along with, you know, 20, 25% of the fantasy community who absolutely nailed Lamar Jackson is a league winner this year. And he is just pounding people, unfortunately pounding my Texans this week, but I still, you know, bittersweet watching Lamar pound your Texans. (laughs) Actually, yeah. not watching it, just knowing that just it is. knowing that it happened, <laughs> knowing the final results of a of a good Lamar pounding. The unfortunate part is that this is like the second time this season that we've had to see um, Robert Griffin the third come in, and we can't get like those extra five points out of Lamar. I mean, he's doing enough, but <laughs> he's just, still, George's complaining about how going. Lamar's getting him forty points. He really wants forty five points. 
Every point counts. Every point counts. I, uh, for my MVP this week, I went with Kyler Murray. Uh, it was a loss and he only threw for 150 yards, but he threw for two touchdowns and rushed for 67 yards and a GD, but he's also just been playing very well the last three weeks. And so I wanted to give him some appreciation because he, uh, he had two huge games against the 49ers that he played week nine and then last week, and then a big game against Tampa Bay, all of which were losses, but Kyler Murray is developing. He's not like the QB four, which is an impressive rapid ascent after what was kind of a slow start where everyone was like, mm, are we sure cliff? Their overall offense is like number nine in DVOA. Yeah. Like they're, they're here to stay. This is such a friggin' awesome team to watch. I'm so pissed off at myself. I was so high on Kyler Murray. And in one league, I benched him for Brady against Philly. And somehow that blew up in my face. I was, I did I mean, somehow. You know, I, it was Brady, Brady, tinkering. I am the most avid Patriots fan, and Brady is <laughs> not a fantasy viable player ever. He, I could see how um, you would go there though with the Niners. So start well, Tom Brady thing, next week, folks. <laughs> but the thing is, like, I even broke down like the the snap count of the Niners last week. They're coming off a short week. Like, I, I was very pro Murray. I just figured that Brady's ceiling could be higher, so I went with no, that it. offense I, is hot, flaming trash until they get a decent production out of their uh, offensive line and wide receivers. Nikhil Harry is here to save the day, everyone. That's the moral yeah. of the the Patriots offense. I was. This is something we're going to have to talk about in this off season uh, when we do all of our numerous. How are you going to draft your fantasy team for twenty twenty? I feel <laughs> like I feel like pocket quarterbacks, regardless of how good they are, are just no longer viable. They in fantasy, given just like I I would take Josh Allen over Tom Brady, over Phil Rivers, over Drew Brees, over any like statistically productive quarterback, but who just stands in the pocket, even possibly over Aaron Rodgers, since Rodgers hasn't been running that much. So like, I feel like that rushing ceiling in fantasy is just OP for quarterbacks. I, I would more argue that it's a rushing floor. Uh, you, the, like rushing quarterbacks average like 30 to 40 yards a week. And oh my God, Pete, if you're going to get this way. Semantics, Nicholas. It is not semantics because it, <laughs> but because you're oftentimes like Brady's floor last week sucked. That wasn't a floor. Whereas Josh Allen is probably going to get you 12 to 15 at worst. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. I like that with rushing QBs, even if it's a guy like Josh Allen, who is prone to just make some really wild throws that could end up in the other team's hands that he can kind of erase those negative two points on an interception or however many you do it by rushing and just mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. canceling that out, which um, kind of speaks to the floor part that Nick was talking about. But also it gives them a big ceiling, which was what I was talking about. The ceiling is the roof. The ceiling is on fire. Uh, all right. Well, there you go. Fantasy MVPs for week 11. And now... We will put on our best uh, pretentious voices, so it's time to discuss week 11 judgments. All right. <laughs> I always use my pretentious voice. Were we not supposed to do that? Oh, no, sorry. I mean, I just oh. need to, I, as the host, I need to make sure I click into it. Got it. You, Clark, you've well established yourself as this is your... Uh... Let me pushes up glasses tell you something, <laughs> gentlemen. Uh, so first thing on the list that we got to talk about from week 11 is the Kyle Allen implosion uh, as he threw four interceptions against the Atlanta Falcons in a matchup that while DJ Moore was still able to give you a pretty good return, 
I, for one, was like fully expecting him and Curtis Samuel and this whole Panthers passing offense to just go completely balzerco against a Falcon secondary that has been, you know, pretty easy to take advantage of. But now I have to ask Clark, this begs the question, because now it's we've seen two games back to back that haven't been a complete dumpster fire for Atlanta. Are the Falcons no longer fantasy pushovers? I don't think they are. I think that there's been a coaching change. And since that coaching change, there have been two starkly different performances. And I'm a believer in that. The Panthers aren't a light you up offense, but they have been very serviceable all year. And they were completely shut down. I know Allen had a bad game and he, he earned his four interceptions, but he was under pressure all day. I don't think a lot of quarterbacks would have looked good out there against the Falcons. And certainly not a rookie quarterback that was kind of an afterthought. Uh, I think the Falcons, uh, if they're still available in your league, and they probably are, might, you know, if you're struggling on defense, I'd, I'd certainly give them a good look. Yeah, Clark, they, uh, I believe Dan Quinn abdicated defensive play calling responsibilities and passed it off, I think, to two different assistants. And they're sort of working in tandem, and that occurred two weeks ago. Uh, but, I mean, this – what's so strange about it is, like, talent has never been the problem with this defense. It's It's been – that they they do quirky things like scheme to allow passes to running backs, and then just count on the players to, to make up for it. But yeah, no, they're I think that they're they're here to stay. It's fun to watch. This may be a lukewarm take because the Panthers have Christian McCaffrey, and we were talking about him as a possible league MVP not too long ago. He still put up his fantasy points against the um, Atlanta Falcons, but. I think the real story would be just to try to stream whoever might be playing the Carolina Panthers for the rest of the season on defense, because Kyle Allen over the past month, four games, he has nine interceptions. That is not good. He is um, somebody who people were talking about could, you know, make Cam Newton expendable. Is he going to get traded to the bears? Is it time to move on from Cam Newton? I he's not helping his case right now. So I I would try to play whomever is against Kyle Allen and try to get those interceptions, which is a bummer, man, because there is nothing that we on this podcast support more other than Lamar Jackson as chaos in NFL free agency. And if Cam Newton was going to legit be on the trade block with multiple teams yearning for a solid uh, veteran quarterback presence, it would have been exciting to have seen how that would have played out. But I think you're right, Jordan. I think that, uh, that Kyle Allen has played himself more or less out of the future starting role. And you got to, unless the Panthers are, you know, realizing that Cam Newton just isn't going to ever be as healthy. And they're just kind of like, well, let's get the contract off the books. I don't see how they're going. Kyle Allen has not played himself into the starting role next year. I want to see a switch of places between Jameis Winston and Cam Newton so badly. Like, God, let Winston so just float away. I don't give it. Actually, he can just be on a play. I don't give a shit. But Cam Newton in Tampa Bay, oh. holy cow. That would, I, that would be gorgeous. Not trying to be body language doctor, but at the end of the game against or with Tampa Bay, Mike Evans looked just absolutely 
distraught and furious that Jameis Winston is his quarterback. Well, because like, did you see that fucking interception that Winston threw where it was like 30 feet over the head of Mike Evans? And Evans is just like, are you kidding me right now? The pick six that they threw to whoever Williams is? He's like 6'5", like, how do you overthrow Mike Evans? Remember when they had Mike Evans and Vincent Jackson? They just had like two and O.J. Howard, just three uh. towers of height and Jameis Winston still finds a way to like <laughs> throw it seven feet over there. And head. Cameron Bray, he's also six four. I think. <laughs> <laughs> like their shortest receiver is six foot four. <laughs> oh man! Oh Tampa Bay! I would love to see Cam Newton there. Uh, we also saw Nick Foles return to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and he looked pretty good against the Colts. Went thirty three for forty seven. <laughs> Threw for 296 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. It's fine. Uh, the box score looks good. Uh, I would contend that Nick Foles did not look good. Uh, he, he chucked it deep. And so there'll be more on how that is heartening for one of my trade candidates. Uh, Nick Foles is fine. He's not going to kill the fantasy value of everyone else. But, oh, boy, he still looks like Nick Foles. Uh when there's pressure, he will throw it up. And when you have amazing wide receivers, that's fine. And that can work for you in a couple of games. But boy, let's get Minshew back in there. I Yeah, I'm I fully agree with you. Yeah, I was very happy to see him link up with DJ Chark, though. I was really concerned. That 15 that, targets for Chark. Yeah. And then I eight for really Conley, too, which is like, be, ooh. Uh, he's legit. Um, that, that Achilles just derailed him in Kansas City. But... Yeah, no, I, I was very happy to see that that uh, Chark was the the alpha there and not D.D. Westbrook taking over. I mean, you know, D.D. Westbrook's fun, but like Chark is a serious number one wide receiver. I snuck I snuck Westbrook into a few of my DFS lineups, just thinking that oh, Nick Foles is going to be looking at his slot all the time. Then it didn't happen. Good process. That's I thought that about good it. Process. I do think that I do think that things could get better for Foles and he could look better as he gets a more acclimated with the offense and B, I mean the next games that they're playing, they're playing Titans, Bucks, Chargers, and Raiders. It's not exactly murderers row of secondaries. That's going to really shut them down and Foles look good. Their first, you know, in week one. So I think, I, I mean, I clearly Clark, I turn to you for your expert opinion, but I do think that things aren't uh, crumbling. It could have been a tough game. What what really stood out to me is that Leonard Fournette looked incredibly slow. He looked like a big running back who decided that he was going to be a shifty running back, and he's not. He's kind of been doing and, that all season. So, and it's hard to, you know, I, I, I haven't watched a ton of the Jaguars games because, you know, who cares about Jaguars? Uh, <laughs> but, man, he did. I don't know if he had an ankle problem or a knee problem. He looked like something was really wrong. Leonard Fournette had a gumbo problem. I don't know if you guys read the interview of what I, he did. Yeah. I've had a gumbo problem before, so I can. Okay. His was asked what he was doing for the break. And he said, I didn't work out once. I laid in bed and ate gumbo. And I went on dates with my daughter and my son. He, and he even, he went uh, so far as to confirm. Sure. I, I mean, did not what, touch a weight and I did not step on the treadmill. Athlete. So this is like, he, this he is like actually that. one of the narratives of he was in the best shape of his life this year. That's why he has had not had any soft tissue injuries. He came in in shape and then he did this. And it is so frustrating watching him get 55 yards in my box score. And, uh, 
I uh, 55 yards in the box. 55 yards in the box, Corey. Move on. <laughs> Bold move by the NFL sharing the field between the American and Mexican flag. Let's see how racist Twitter reacts. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow this is going to be Kaepernick's fault. Uh, okay, moving on. No I have to ask we'll, we'll you. We'll talk guys. about that for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> <That's> so, <no laughs> comment. Me and Nick will just yell at everyone. Yeah, that, that no, would be I, the entirety I, of the podcast. It's just built into that. I they must have been tricked. Like I can't imagine the NFL willingly signed off on that. Right. Like, they are what races there. Twitter. That's what yeah. the the people who run the NFL. Anyway, yeah, here we go. Pause it. Guys, let's do it. Will we know what to expect from this Lions offense ever? Will we ever know? Yes. Yes. I don't know. Should I? Well, sure. I mean, I have a whole list of things that I can talk to you about, but if you want to defend the Lions offense and correctly predict it, go be my guest. I just feel like Bo Scarborough is going to be a late season pickup that's going to help a lot of people win games i saw shades of Legarrett, and i am i am just going to live on narrative street and say that matt patricia wants a big bruising running back uh watch this game and scarborough could not have had a worse time of it with the script that detroit kept the game close but it just seemed like they were doing a lot of five wide and a lot of throwing to the running backs because they had to to keep up with dallas and i just don't see detroit wanting to do that so I'll repeat this when we do our waiver wire thing, I guess. But I, I believe that Joe Scarborough is going to be worth picking up. Not an amazing talent, but a guy that I feel like is highly likely to get five or six touchdowns before the before the year's out. Yeah, I mean, so the running backs been the the back the running game has been in turmoil since Carryon Johnson went on IR, and and as Clark says, Bo Scarborough is the guy who now randomly stepped in, got 14 carries for 55 yards and a touchdown, and now unfortunately we're starting to see this indecision or this uh, back and forth leaking into the wide receiver position, as basically it's now either Kenny Galladay has a big game or Marvin Jones Jr. has a big game, and he went off for two touchdowns against the Cowboys. I don't like that. I want reliability at my wide receiver position. I want to know that Kenny Galladay is the number one receiver there and is going to get the most looks. And I don't like it when Marvin Jones suddenly breaks out and takes away all of his targets and looks. I'm mad that Jeff Driscoll could score like 30 fantasy points, but he can't seem to see his giant six foot five wide receiver what are we doing in, here? on the football field. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the, the Bo Scarborough thing is making me think of Derrick Henry from last year. To be fair, though, most things make me think of Derrick Henry because he's an outstanding football player. <laughs> <laughs> it's truly a A-plus talent. I mean, I, I agree. He's on my fantasy team, so I've been loving him. Couldn't agree more. That's the kind of person you just plug in every week. <laughs> <laughs> I literally have. It's been amazing. Oh, God damn it. I love it. Okay. Uh, also this, of course, the Bo Scarbo breakout then led to everyone tweeting pictures of him in college where he was, what was he on? Was he Alabama? Is that where he went? Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy's enormous. Let the record show that like, he is a massive human being. He's made out of some sort of mineral. Like he's just carved from granite. He's just a rock of a human. Yeah. And as a bonus, it gives conservatives some really nice uh, throwback fantasy team names. You know, pretty easy. Scarborough Country. Let's do this. Run through There's the a lot to work with. You're probably there. a little too young to remember. Uh, anyway. So. 
Cool. Freak out about the Mexican flag and name your team Post Scarborough. Right. Hey, <laughs> we don't want you to listen to the podcast, but if you are, and if you work for Disney, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we've lost our Disney sponsorship by now. Uh, all right, we'll wrap up tidbits. Uh, we got some injuries to talk about. Marlon Mack is out indefinitely with a fractured hand, which is a bummer because he was well on his way to a uh, the best game of the season. And then he left with an injury, and that backfield went up to Jonathan Williams and Naheem Hines. Naheem Hines, excuse me. Um, both of whom I'm sure we'll talk about once we hit the waiver wire section. Auden Tate left for the Bengals with a scary neck injury, but he seems to be okay. But my guess was that he will miss time. And then Philip Dorsett left with a concussion after he caught a touchdown from Julian Edelman, which means it's time for Nikhil Harry to start getting 30 targets a game, baby. He totally threw me with that. Are we going to take that last part seriously? Oh, yeah. They're actually, those are all actual injuries that occurred, Nick. No, I know, but the Nikhil Harry thing. Oh, well, Nikhil Harry's not going to see 30 targets, Nicholas. I mean, let's be serious. <laughs> but Is Jacoby Myers back in the fold nope, here? No, nope, no, nope. Zip Please. your lid, Jordan. It's Nikhil Come Harry on. time. He has earned need, it. He has worked his ass off to get here. I need somebody who's being drafted actually early. played. Zip your lid, Nicholas. <laughs> somebody who's actually proven in the preseason and through training camp that they deserve some targets. No. no Don't tell, no. tell your boy Tom not to get mad about the offense if he's not throwing to Jacoby Myers. My boy Tom, my boy Tom uh, is not getting drafted in fantasy because he's terrible. Wow. All right. I'm going to have to defend Tom Brady in a second here. I like the, uh, I like the, the Jonathan Williams mention in the uh, Marlon Mack absence. I don't think that Naheem Hines is going to be relevant. Tyreek Hill is limping. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> breaking news. Pretty bad. Breaking news. Wow. This is awesome. Let me see what happens. Um. No. Nick, oh shit! Internet doctor. He just, he just pulled his hamstring. He was running a route, and and it like the play was dying down, and so he started kind of just grapevining, and all of a sudden stopped and just grabbed at his hamstring. So that's a pulled hamstring. Um, Nicholas, could you please stand up and for our viewers at home, show us what grapevining is? No, it's oh. it's like a side shuffling motion. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Thank you, though. Um, but yeah, okay, so waiver wires go add Michael Hardman. There you go. Well, we're not there yet, Nicholas. Jumping all over the podcast. Yeah. Just letting you know. All right. Should we close week eleven tidbits? Do it. All right. Nick, your broadcast was... is like 15 seconds ahead of mine. Week eleven tidbits. Before we go on to players who will win you a fantasy championship this week, uh, we are going to this week, this year, we're gonna take a quick ad break. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. 
And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, we are back. And as the fantasy playoffs are just around the corner, we're going to take a look at some names who you can either probably get via trade or still are likely on your waiver wire who you should add. These guys are either peaking at the right moment, have a great schedule ahead of them, or just stepping into a huge opportunity. Whatever it might be, these are names that will have a strong conclusion to the year. And if you get them onto your fantasy team right now, Jordan, let's start with you. Who is the first guy that someone can go get who will win you a oh, I, championship? I think somebody who's pretty good, uh, go out and get Lamar Jackson. Um, he's going to win. No, I'm just kidding. Um, just trade actually- <laughs> like the worst player on your team. No one knows how good he is. Somebody who's probably super available. We talked about this team before the New York Jets, um, Ryan Griffin, uh, the tight end there who is just kind of going to be the guy and has been the guy when Chris Herndon um, hasn't been in there. He had eight targets against Miami and then Chris Herndon came back where he only had one. And then against Washington, he had uh, five targets, five catches, 109 yards and a touchdown. 21.8 yards per catch. Um, I think he is kind of developing a pretty good rapport with Sam Darnold when you're watching them play together. And I think it could be um, maybe not so much in the playoffs, but it could help you get there if you're, um, you know, still in the regular season for weeks 13 and 14 because they play the Bengals and then Miami again. Um, So those are some pretty solid matchups. They do play Baltimore and Pittsburgh in uh, weeks 15 and 16, but um, as long as the targets are there, I I think he's a pretty viable option. Ryan Griffin is already uh, tight end 12 in standard leagues. You'd love to see that. And and this is exactly why, and we've touched, talked about this before, but what you just said there is why someone like Ryan Griffin, who maybe doesn't seem like the biggest or sexiest name can make a big difference for your team because at the tight end position, if you have the advantage, that gives you a huge leg up because there really aren't many guys who are consistently producing at a high level. And if you have one of the guys who, it, who are, then that puts your team, uh, gives your team a big step up over your competition. Yeah, I like it. It's a sneaky play. We were excited for Herndon because young QBs like to lean on the tight end and Adam Gase gets the tight end involved. And it turns out we were just wrong about who that tight end was going to be. Clark, why don't you give us your first player? I always have a tough go at, you know, coming up with who you should trade for. So I'm looking for somebody who people may be down on and a down performance. And that's Sony Michelle. It's getting cold. The Patriots are struggling. And I think that the Patriots are, you know, you're not going to go broke betting on the Patriots, figuring it out and finding a way to generate some offense. So uh, owners are probably not very excited about him. You might be able to pick up Michelle and make a late season run here. Uh, yeah, I'm always into being told to uh, go at a running back, so I'm I'm on board with that. As uh, how's the schedule looking? It's pretty good. They've got uh, Dallas, Houston, Kansas City, Cincinnati, Buffalo, and Miami. Those last That's four awesome. games are all great running back matchups. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So Dallas, Dallas is kind of a pain, but Houston, KC, Cincinnati, and Buffalo even. Buffalo's, Buffalo's been kind of leaky AF recently. Well, they, they kind of they they seem like they might be doing the uh, the the Patriots thing where they kind of let the mm-hmm. the offense run on them a little bit just to keep them from even trying to pass. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I I dig it. Yeah, and and 
there's no risk of Sony Michelle losing that backfield. I think like James White always will have a role. Rex Burkhead has some sort of role, but J- uh, Sony Michelle has pretty regularly gotten you at least 15 carries throughout this season. Um, and so that's, that's pretty solid production that you can rely upon. And when you get bad matchups, they'll take, you know, the Patriots are, will be one who build a lead and just run the football down the throat of their opponents, especially if they can. And look to capitalize. The Eagles run defense is extremely good. That's the last thing somebody saw. So they may be looking to get out. So the reason why the whole reason I wanted to do this segment was so that I could talk about this guy who I am just in my hearts of hearts believe will be a league winner. And I just went and added him last week and he's already helped me Debo Samuel with this, with Emmanuel Sanders injured, George Kittle out. He's becoming a key and vital member of the 49ers passing game. He, over the last two games, he's seen 10 targets, has had eight catches, and has gone over 110 yards. And in the rest of the schedule, he plays the Ravens, Saints, Rams, and Seahawks, who all are allowing top 15 points to wide receivers over the last four weeks. And I think even if Sanders and Kittle come back uh, at some point, that Samuel has shown enough to have a vital part of this offense moving forward. And I now know I see Nick doing it. Nick is like checking the internet being like, well, Debo Samuel left the game injured and I'm going to prove to Pete that actually he's a terrible pickup. I checked ahead of time, Nicholas, the shoulder injury is not a problem and he's got to be back on the field. Yeah. So what is it just like an AC joint sprain or is it anything? Um, I got rid of the report, so let me bring the report back up. <laughs> I got well, rid so of it, so what, it doesn't exist. So it doesn't yeah, exist. Went down hard. Uh, he may be getting a precautionary. It doesn't seem to be much. Yeah, they, they don't seem to be worried too much about it, that it was okay. just kind of emerged Sundays with the injury. They report that it missed sometime in the fourth quarter. But it seems you like can play receivers, and I mean, even running backs can play with AC joint sprains. Weirdly, James Conner is having a really challenging time with his, even though he, like, shouldn't be, but um, if he was able to to go back in, then he's probably okay. Um, But worth noting that Emmanuel Sanders aggravated, re-aggravated his, his, like, broken ribs and maybe rib cartilage, which should make things real bad, so they're going to be down their top wide receiver. So, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm into it. And and Debo, I mean, he's just such a talented guy. And this this receiving core pre Sanders has been waiting for somebody to step the hell up. So I'm sure Kyle Shanahan is thrilled that, you know, in, in the wake of Dante Pettis, someone has come into his own. And I love that. And I'm all about narratives. We all are on this podcast. And I, I'm always happy to buy the like rookie slash young skill player who starts getting hot towards the end of the season because I trust the team to be like, oh, okay, like we've been working – Clearly, we've been putting in the work in you into the getting into this game plan, and now it's all clicking for you as the game's starting to slow down. We're going to keep exploiting and utilizing you because this is why we got you. I like that they got Emmanuel Sanders. He's been a really good player for them and adds an extra dimension to their offense that they um, kind of needed. But I feel like they would have been fine without Sanders if they would have just embraced Debo Samuel as their wide receiver one and just made him a bigger focal part of the passing offense rather than continuing to try to make Dante Pettis happen. Niner system, uh, Gary Kubiak, Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan has room for one fantastic wide receiver in fantasy. So whoever that is, if that ends up being Debo Samuels, disappointingly to the Emmanuel Sanders owner, uh, I, I think he's a great play. If, if he's the number one going into any game, I think he's a must start. 
Nicholas, who's a guy who you are high on for the rest of the year who people should be going to get onto the roster? Because they will win. I am high on uh, a couple players, really. But uh, I think Adam Thielen could be more available than we might expect. He's been out for four weeks. Now they're going on by. I can only imagine how frustrated the current uh, Emmanuel or Emmanuel Sanders, uh, Adam Thielen owner is. Uh, they're likely desperate for a wide receiver one. If you can give them any sort of production there and just sort of snatch a, a better player, uh, they, they might be amenable to that. I also just want to pin uh, invest in the Cardinals offense. All, all these guys there. And you know, this is another team they're They're going on by in, in week 12. If you can go get Christian Kirk, go get him. If you can go get Andy Isabella, whose snap counts actually got it right here. Uh, uh, Andy Isabella snap counts. It was 8% in week one, didn't play week two, then got uh, That's 1%. Zero percent. Yeah. <laughs> 1%, 13, 13, 17, 15, two. And then all of a sudden, 23, 37, 29. So he's vaulted into this like third of the time player. Uh, he's not going to be a, a heavily targeted guy, but he, he's largely ascending. I think that he's going to be, he's going to continue to be used as their like primary downfield threat on the outside, uh, get ahead of the curve. Don't wait for it to get there and, you know, preemptively add Andy Isabella. I like Nick, uh, strategically being like, I have one, but really I have two. I'm going to get them both in. Well done, Nick. It's overachievement at its finest. I thought we were supposed to have two. So I was like, we are, I guess guess Nick was just, was just snaking. Uh, Uh, So uh, sneaky. Are we just sneaking now? Clark, are you going now? Oh my God, are you guys kicking me out? Are you making making a a, a, oh. a host a non-existent? We we're coming off the bye week, and we sat in bed and ate gumbo all week, so we are not really. <laughs> we uh, did a Leonard Fournette bye week, and let me tell you, I feel great. Clark, why don't you a keep bye going? Week don't two don't... Fournette. <laughs> <laughs> if you're looking for a fantasy team name, there it is. Yeah. Uh, we we talked about him earlier, and I don't know if you're going to be able to get him, but DJ Chark, if if someone has him on his bench and just doesn't believe in him but picked him up and hasn't been paying attention, I would probably – there's probably 10 wide receivers I would not trade for DJ Chark and everybody else would be on the table. I'd love to do a two-for-one for him. He's They are trying to feature him and see if they have a number one wide receiver, and they do. And so he's going to continue getting targeted and – you just want targets, right? And he's fantastic. So he's a god. I don't know. Go get him if you can. If the owner is stupid, it would have been great if we were if we were trying to make this move. It would have been excellent if Nick Foles' first game, D.D. Westbrook saw like twenty targets, and and DJ Chark saw zero targets. And then you could really sneak him out from under him. Uh, but I, it would be tough. It would be tough to get him. I think he's certainly if you can if you can make the push and, and snag him then you should entirely do that. But it would be it would be a hard move to get him. You'd have to give up a lot. I mean, like, hopefully some name flash, like, I'll give you Keenan Allen for him, right? And and I know that, like, oh, we, I, would I know we have a lot of savvy Disney listeners in our league, but sometimes people recognize those names and they just can't resist. And they yeah. forget that what we thought at the beginning of the year doesn't matter. And so if you can move those names for someone who's producing now, I'm trying to justify my... No, no, I mean, I totally agree with you because that's the thing too, is, is that like, it depends on what league you're in, but if you're in a league where people, where name recognition still carries a lot of water, utilize that. Find that person who's got DJ Chark, who's probably like, nah, DJ Chark is fine, but I've heard of 
like DeAndre Hopkins. I would make that trade. Maybe one of those teams who um, is already completely checked out, not filling out their lineups because they're out of the playoffs. And uh, we all have one or two of those in our league. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Maybe all you have to do is you just have to pitch. You just have to pitch that person that they really don't want. As long as you're not the best team in the league, you just pitch the person who's checked out and doesn't care anymore that you really, they don't really don't want to see the best team in the league win. So they should help stack your team so that you can beat the best team. Locally, you just have to, that is you just have to download Wolf. Unacceptable. Download Wolf. Download Wolf so you can message them on every single on every platform communications all device all at once. Yep. It's perfect. That's the only way to get in contact with anyone these days. What? Uh, Clark, <laughs> that's a reference for maybe the 33.3% of this podcast won't get. So not not like uh, colossal news, but the Chiefs uh, center just got knocked out of the game. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Nick. Could be big. Hey, that is be significant because these offenses, neither one have looked very great. So it could get Yeah, worse. it is. <laughs> yeah. Breaking news part two. Jordan, uh, who's your second player that people should be trying to go get for the uh, fantasy playoff stretch? Um, so this one's a little odd. I feel even weird talking about him. Um, we talked about the Cowboys offense earlier in the season when Michael Gallup was out and I kind of talked about how, um, with Gallup out, that kind of pushes Randall Cobb into a really a role that he's not really suitable for. But now that Michael Gallup's back, I feel like Randall Cobb is somebody that you can pick up and be, a or try to obtain and be a decent flex play for you. Uh, since their bye week, he has had eight targets, eight targets, and seven targets. Um, two touchdowns in that time. He's gone over 100 yards in the past two weeks. Um, if Dak continues to play at an MVP level, then I think um, even having the third best wide receiver on the Cowboys team can help garner you some points. And if, if I had Randall Cobb, I might be willing to trade him too because over the past couple of years, I've been more like, I don't believe in Randall Cobb. I need to get rid of him. So I feel like there could be some people who are, aren't really buying Randall Cobb's past two games of scoring uh, over 20 PPR points. But I don't know, man. If, if Dak can keep it up, then I think that's pretty juicy. And I don't think you even need to trade for him. He's 15% owned in Yahoo leagues right now. So he's probably readily available on your waiver wire, unless you play with Jordan who stocks up on X Packers players like a madman. Oh yes. All the time. <laughs> all the time. It's the only thing your roster is created out of. And I like him and I like him too, because of the fact that I think the the remaining games that the Cowboys have are tough. There, there are some tough games ahead of them in terms of defenses. They play the Patriots, then the Bills, uh, Chicago. The Bears have been off and on on their defense, but they've been tough, and the Rams have been kind of tough. But all of those guys, and I wish I had these stats in front of me, but all of those guys I feel like presumably are, are much better at shutting down outside receivers rather than slot receivers. And I know there's a chart out there that I saw on the Twitterverse, which was breaking down exactly how much fantasy points defenses were allowing to outside and inside receivers. Um, but since Cobb is in the slot, I feel like he is someone that even against a really tough secondary, unless they have an elite slot corner, which not a lot of teams do, 
that he will be able to, he'll be the outlet for Dak when Amari or uh, Michael Gallup are slowed down because of a, a secondary they're facing. Yeah, I think if you're playing those tough defenses, they're probably going to draw most of their focus on uh, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and Zeke Elliott, and Randall Cobb can just feast on the scraps. All right, my final guy that you should be getting, Philip Lindsay. The Broncos announced last week that Lindsay was going to take the bulk of the workload moving forward, and we saw that against the Vikings. He had the most snaps uh, in the year for him. I think it was like 64 or 5% of the snaps after averaging roughly 50 to 40 with Royce Freeman and kind of that shared backfield. The Broncos have the second easiest running back schedule for the rest of the season. And so Philip Lindsay really is going to be the predominant workload back there. He's going to get a lot of work. And I think you could trade for him because he's been all right the last four weeks, only having one game over 12 PPR points and has had two single digit outings. So I think he's someone that you could take a player who's maybe produced a lot recently and you could sell high on someone for Philip Lindsay because they might be feeling like, well, what has he done for me recently? And then be able to capitalize on what's going to be a, a pretty cushy schedule for them uh, for the rest of the year. That makes me really sad, but I think you're right. Cause you have Royce Freeman. I love Royce Freeman. I mean, I love Royce Freeman too, but. That sounds very melancholy. I, I love Nick's, Royce Nick, Freeman. It's like Nick, very really, heartbroken. This has really affected Nick. <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Moving on. Awesome. Well, there you go. Those are a bunch of names that are either on your waiver wire or that we think you can probably make a pretty good trade for uh, who will have big conclusions to the year and will help you get that elusive fantasy championship that I know you want. Quickly before we go, waiver wire ads. We do it every week. Clark, we'll start with you. Who's the guy that you're looking to add off waivers when you can? So Nick mentioned the Vikings are going into the bye, and that might be just enough to get people to stop paying attention to Kyle Rudolph. He's had a few good games, and he is... Never let him die, Clark! He is involved in the offense, right? So uh, this is what I expected to happen at the beginning of the year, and I was wrong for eight weeks. He is coming on with the resurging Minnesota Vikings offense. Tight end is a desolate, desolate place. If you're desperate and you have the roster spot, go ahead and pick him up while he's on by. He's only owned in about 50% of leagues right now. So he could do a lot worse than I'm going. I'm with, going to, uh, I'm Nick's looking at his numbers right now. Yeah. Nick, Nick has no right to laugh because if you look at, Kyle Rudolph's last one, two, three, four, five games. In his last five games, he has caught one, two, three, four, five touchdowns and has seen over five targets in all but one game. Like he has suddenly just become a vital part of this offense. The the numbers do bear it out. You guys are right. <laughs> I find it fucking funny. <laughs> oh, I find it funny too, Nicholas. Uh, I'll stick I like with the zombies. Vi- I had to bring it back. I had to bring it back and never die. I'll stick with the Vikings offense because I think another guy who you should be adding from there is Alexander Madison, who we've spent a lot of time talking about. He's the best handcuff in the NFL. I think right now he's 25% owned. Um, and he, and the nice thing about him is, is that not only are you locking yourself in if Dalvin cook, anything happens to him, or if they give Dalvin cook days off or games off or points off, whatever, he has a defined role outside of just that. And they have the seventh easiest schedule moving forward. I think that if you are someone who is needing help at the running back position or wants to make sure that you're locked in in case anything happens to Dalvin Cook, Madison is an excellent addition to your fantasy team. 
Yeah, it's odd how uh, your ownership shades your perception. I have been alternating between Alexander Madison and Gus Edwards and starting them when they have their shitty weeks. And so I'm really upset with him right now. But everything you said is right. He is incredibly talented. And the only thing holding Madison back is a slightly more talented Dalvin Cook, who uh, battled injuries both seasons before this year. And Cook is absolutely lighting it up. Uh, so you get that insurance and Madison in good positive games is getting some work whenever Cook needs a rest. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a decent desperation play with that kind of unbelievable handcuff upside. Yeah. Nick, who are you adding off waivers? Uh, I decided to do a, a I'll, do, I'll make it real quick, but just a position group uh, because walking into in uh, a week 12, a bunch of teams are on by that have starting quarterbacks. So uh, our, starting fantasy quarterbacks, Kyler Murray, Phillip Rivers, sort of, uh, Patrick Mahomes, and Kirk Cousins. All Three out of those four guys are, at this point, weekly stalwarts in, in starting lineups. So to kind of help people out just across the board, uh, there are four quarterbacks who are widely available in an overwhelming majority of leagues that all have good matchups. Uh, starting things off, Baker Mayfield. I know, you know he's been not at all what we had hoped for, but he has been, like, uh, mid to high end quarterback to uh, relevant over the last three games this week. Uh, they host Miami. If he's going to get it done, which I, th- I, I mean, I think, yeah, I think that they will play well against Miami. Uh, I think he's a, a, a totally viable streamer. Ryan uh, Tannehill has played very well, at least in the box score, filling in for or replacing rather uh, Marcus Mariota this week. They host Jacksonville, who no longer has Jalen Ramsey, and always, you know, according to Clark, is terrible. So he, he's a good start as well. Jacoby Brissett was dropped widely with his MCL sprain. They're host, hosting Houston, who doesn't have J.J. Watt or a secondary. So he's a great option. And lastly, Sam Darnold is hosting, uh, the, and the Jets are hosting the Oakland Raiders, who also have none of their secondary due to uh, goofy trade, i.e. Darian Conley. Um, yeah, and uh, an injury. So and any of those guys would be uh, really strong streaming options. I like all those options, and you raise a good point. Week 12 is another – you know, it's not the bipocalypse that we had last week, but it, there's a lot of starters that are not going to be playing, not just a quarterback, but in a lot of places. So I think that's a good group to target. Your guy uh, before Clark wasn't Gus Edwards, was it, to pick up off the waiver wire? No, yeah. I've no, I mentioned him as someone who's been uh, scoring me huge points on the bench and nothing when I started. <laughs> ah, okay. Not going to lie. I was staring at stats. Um, <laughs> but I, yeah, if you could guess already Gus Edwards is somebody that you're probably not going to pick up off the waiver wire to plug in and play next week but he's somebody that um, if you have a deep enough bench to kind of pick up now and stash him for the later weeks of the year um, just because the Ravens are just freaking rolling right now if they continue to roll and just um, dominate teams there could be a situation in weeks 15 against the Jets, week 16 against the Browns. Um, if you're still playing fantasy by week 17, sure, um, against the Pittsburgh Steelers. But those could be situations in which they could just decide to start load managing uh, Mark Ingram, some of their better players, or, you know, we could be in another situation where the backups for a lot of the skilled position players just start taking over and playing in the fourth quarter. Um, I know it's a little bit of a risky move, but with um, Mark Ingram not exactly being a spring chicken, um, that could be something that they could start to look for and 
doing more closely to a 50-50 snap share split. He's already up at 40% roughly. Oh, yeah, I like that. Yeah, definitely. If you own Mark Ingram, go and pick up Edwards for the same reasons we talked about Madison, uh, despite my penchant for starting him at the wrong time, he is uh, he is a good football player, and when you have a really good too. when you have a really good backup in a really good system, those are the kind of guys that you target when you know you're not gonna when you've just got those extra spots waiting for the playoffs to come. Uh, quickly, I'm going to since I didn't talk about him, didn't make my full pitch while we were talking about guys who will win your league. Gotta quickly mention Darius Geis, 48% owned. In his first game back, he saw 29% of the snaps and had seven carries for 24 yards, but also added a 45-yard touchdown through the air. Uh, I think he has the inside track to getting the starting role in this backfield. I just don't think that AJ Peterson is going to hold on to it much longer, given the fact that Geis is the young back that they drafted and want to see what they got out of him and more or less a lost season. Also, Washington has the third easiest schedule for running backs with Lions, Panthers, Packers, and Giants all on the remaining games. So I like him if he gets that starting gig to be a very productive running back for you. You're right. It's just hard to root for the breadsticks, you know. That's very true. That is very true. But I I separate the breadsticks from Darius Geis, and I just root for Darius Geis because that's fine. two ACL injuries, like, I root for the guy to succeed. But, yes, and then I and I forget that he's on the Washington breadsticks. Good. That cognitive dissonance is what this country is founded on. <laughs> Let's wrap this up. Uh, make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher we are there give us five stars give us a review leave us nice words because you enjoy the show make sure to follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast we love to hear your starts and sit questions you guys have been really great about sending those along to us and we're happy to answer however we can Uh, follow myself at Pete M. Rogers follow Clark at NFL Clark Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27 and Nicholas at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. We will be back at you Thursday to talk week 12 starts and sits and until then. Peace.